All right, what's up, everybody? This is another podcast. Um, those of you tuning in new, Stephen Scullion, um, trying to make the Olympic marathon in Tokyo 2020. Today, we have another Olympian with us, Andy Butchart. Uh, I want to introduce Andy. For anybody that doesn't know Andy Butchart, he came really close last year to break in 70 minutes for half marathon. <laughs> he ran 70.03 at the Great Scottish Run. And so actually, some of my listeners might have beat him. But in all seriousness, Butchart has run 13.08 for 5K in an Olympic final. Um, he's also ran a lot of really good indoor races. He's medaled at European Cross Country. If you haven't watched any of the recent European Cross Countries, go back and watch Butchart and Callum Hawkins pushing the pace at the... Fr- what year was that, Butchie? Yeah, 2016. Go back and watch 2016, Butchart and Callum pushing the pace... A lot of people got really bored of European cross country because it was just Africans at the front. But this was one of those days that it was absolutely brilliant to see two British guys pushing the pace. Go back and have a look at that. Um, another reason why Butchie is very important for this podcast is because he's very, very strong-willed, very, very huge in self-belief. Some people would say cocky, arrogant. I've never seen that side of him. Um, I just think he believes in what he's doing. He's confident and he's sure of himself. Um so I want to start with another thing is Butchie last year got a really bad injury that he'll talk about and his process back. I know other people struggle with injuries and so it'll just be really interesting to hear about that. Um, so let's start with Andy Butchard in 2014 ran 13.58 for 5k and two years later in Olympic final ran 13.08 and at, was that the race that you were running right beside Mo or was that world champs? Uh, both, but that was the one that me and Mo took it on. Like, yeah. So if you if you go back and look at the twenty sixteen Rio Olympic Games where Andy placed sixth, you'll see him going lap for lap with Mo Farah, which I don't think many of us <laughs> will ever get to say. So let's talk about first Butchie from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen. What changed? Um, I know you probably picked up contracts and stuff after the big breakthroughs, but how did you cope when that wasn't the case? And how did you get to the level you got to in twenty sixteen? Thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, yeah, so, like, 2014 for me was, like, Glasgow Commonwealth Games were happening, and I was just thinking to myself, I was like, you know what, I can make this team. I hadn't ran, like, particularly fast. I think I'd maybe ran, like, 3.52, so I had to take, like, 10 seconds off my 15-meter time, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to book some flights to America, go out to America, and just try and run fast, because people did it there. So, like, for me, that was a big step in just, like, self-belief of just, like, being like, you know what, I don't need any help. I don't need any backing. I'm just going to go out, save money, go out to America, try and run fast. And it just hit me square in the face when I was over there. I ended up kind of like just really badly rolling my ankle and then didn't make the team run like awful. Um, and then that's when we came back and my coach then, Derek Easton, we were just like, you know what, we're good at cross country. Let's just run a 5K on the track. I hadn't really run a 5K on the track at that time. Um, so we didn't really know what to expect, but I did my first one in Oxford and I remember it just being like fun. It was really enjoyable. I got to the point of 1500 meters when I was looking at the clock more than I was worried about the actual race itself. So I was like doubting myself how fast I could run with what the clock was saying. And the 5K I didn't have a clue what the clock, what it meant. So I ended up running like 1358, like you said. And it was just a bit of an, un- it just came out of nowhere. We didn't train like ridiculously hard for it. We just ran a 5K and that's just what happened. And then the next year, we got into the summer races, started like push the boundaries, still working a full-time job. 
as like a fitness instructor um, and lifeguard. And then just balancing training between the two. I ended up running like 13.33 first race out um, in this place in Belgium. And it was it was really fun. And like as soon as that happened, like I started getting phone calls from like British Athletics saying like, do you want to run here, there, where do you invest in the track? And I was like, this is amazing. Like, and I hadn't even thought of like world champs that year, 2015. Like I was still thinking that I was a small, small fish, which I was, like I wasn't anything important. And then like, I ran again later on in the year and ran like 13.29 or something. And only after the race, I realized it was only like four seconds off the Olympic standard. And I was like, boom, like, I might actually get to go to the Olympic Games. And after that happened, my work kind of like became a little bit too intense. And I hadn't got a contract. I didn't have any money, but I'd saved money. And I like, I was going to go with some of the central boys to a training camp in Mallorca. And like, I remember my boss like, oh, you can't have this week off or two weeks off. So I was like, you know what? Screw this. Like, I'm just not going to work anymore. I'm going to go in this training camp. I'm going to train with the boys. And then luckily, like, straight after that happened, New Balance um, came in and picked me up for a, a tasty little nothing fee. Um, and it was it was really nice that they backed me from the start. And at the start of 2016, I got that contract and it just, all the doors opened and just, the, the work just began became like so intense with athletics and I was just like, you know what, this is it, I'm gonna go for it hundred percent. And then without even realizing what I was doing, I was in the Olympic final and then finished sixth and that was it. It wasn't like I had planned anything, it was just as if like your eyes were shut and then it just happened all at once and then you finish the Olympic Games and you're like, Holy crap, what did I just do? And then that that it was just an amazing like two year journey for me. Yeah, that sounds like sounds really cool. Um I think what I picked up from that was new event um, <clears throat> one of the important tips there, guys, was recently when he was racing 1500s, or not recently, but before he joined the 5K, he was far too, I guess, just looking at the clock too much and letting the clock tell him he was tired. And maybe then when you go to a new event and you don't really know the splits or you just focus on how you're feeling and running and and getting faster and maybe that helps. Um, What Butchie didn't probably tell you about there is... um, he, he put in a lot of time at altitude, I think. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. We have uh, the same agent and I would hear stories about Butchie putting in, whether there were rumours or true, I would hear these 10, 12-week camps up in Flagstaff just putting in really hard work. Um, and I think part of that is the self-belief. And I actually did a podcast recently there on going all in. And I think that's what you just heard Butchie say. He quit his job. He went all in. And it takes self-belief to, to do that. So talk to us about Butchie. People might say arrogant, cocky. I think it's self-belief. I think you need to have a huge work ethic to back up self-belief. Um, so talk to us about that, how you believe in yourself, how you... You kind of said it was a blare there, getting sixth in the Olympic Games and getting into that final. But talk to me about building for that, or um, yeah, just the confidence you carry in your running. So, like, I think athletics. There's a lot of different things that make it successful, and the one thing that I draw out from the sport being successful is like your general well-being and happiness. And like, if I'm a happy runner, I'm gonna run faster, and like. That means all aspects of life. So, like, if I've got a good relationship with family, with my girlfriend, with my friends, like, if I'm in a good place, like, everything's going to come together. And, like, 2016 was the year that it all kind of happened for me. And, like, going back, like, my story and, like, what became, I kind of missed a part where it was, like, 2016, I'd been given a contract, but I'd 
I was like, I wanted to make Olympic team, so I, I made a big move in coming to Flagstaff, which was my first, I think it was my first ever altitude camp, um, or actually not second altitude camp ever. And I came out off my own bat. And then just like the confidence was there running, you end up meeting a lot of people in, in the sport, especially when you come to altitude camps. You meet people and you talk to people. And like, I was training super, super hard and I was looking at other people and I'm thinking, like, I'm training harder than they are and they're better than me. So maybe they aren't better than me. And then I, I'd start to believe that like I was just better than people, even though I on paper wasn't. Um, and that just happened every race that I run now. It's just like, even if I'm against people who are on paper much better than me, I'll go into it with the belief of like, there's no reason as to why they are and, and why I am not better than them. I know that I can kick anyone's ass in a sport because I know that I put in 100% every day that, that I train. And I know that like the training that I do is that works for me. Um, but like like you said, it's like I can come across as cocky or whatever and confident. But like at the end of the day, if you're not confident in what you're doing and if you're not confident in like your fitness, then like you shouldn't really be racing. I don't think like especially at the top level, you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in the training that you're doing. Like I remember like speaking with with Mo before in the past and like just like him coming up to me and just telling me that like what I've done is really good like to have someone like that come to you and say oh like hey good work that's like a huge confidence boost and like I don't it doesn't bother me if like people know that that happened or if it didn't happen to me that happened and then I take the confidence in that I'll bring that to the track when I race yeah that's um I think a couple of key things there, guys, was getting to that. I mean, I've noticed that too when I come to altitude and, and I do see that people put in really hard work, which, which you would agree. But you also see that I've seen Olympians, Olympic medalists have bad days. I've seen them struggle in sessions. I've seen them do sessions that I don't think are special. And I, one of the things I do notice actually is that they just keep going. They don't give up. They just crack on with it. And so one of the things you touched on there, Butchie, was Mo, maybe giving you a pointer to say well done but I've heard you comment about Mo a couple of times speaking with you um also just that at the end of the was it was it Rio he passed you his bib or he gave you his vest when did he give you he gave me his bib after Birmingham 2017 so that was his last like track race no not his last track his last British track race yeah so that that's that's huge guys like um people get autographs from Mo um, and think that's a big deal for Mo to hand you his vest. I remember watching it and I took it as it was a bit like Mo Farah passing what he's achieved on to somebody like Butchie, who might be the next British star at 5K. Um, so talk to us a bit about your relationship with Mo, like what he's helped you with or not helped you with. And um, does that put pressure on you or how does that feel? Uh, like me and Mo, like when I first met him, it was 2016, like leading into the Olympic Games and like he's a he's like a really nice guy but he keeps his cards close to his chest like with like letting people into his little circle um which is I guess is fair like being more being more and like you have to keep things close to your chest and whatever but like we became like sort of good friends like through after Olympic Games like he kind of came up to me and was like thanks like you helped me win that medal even though I I don't know if I did but like he seems to think that I helped him um and then the next year, we kind of did a few training camps together, started to train a little bit together. So we got to know each other a little bit more and like we became friends, like you'd Snapchat. Like the way the sport is like, as although it's a very friendly sport, it can also be quite a lonely sport at the same time. So like 
no matter how good you are or whatever, like if you're out running and you're on your own, it's you are on your own. Like it is an individual sport. So if you can get friends, especially someone like Mo or there's lots of different people, but like for me, Mo brought so much to the table in the fact that like I was able to see how he trained, how he acted, like how he was a professional athlete. And like, so he just, just watching him, learning off him was, was great for, for me and for, for my, my, I guess, career. Although it's not over yet, but uh, like 2017, we trained a lot together, like leading into the London, London World Champs, like I have a couple funny stories, like I might as well tell them. Yeah. But like, I remember it was like the day before the heats, I mean, over at the, the track, what, like just in like pre, pre-meet, like before a race, we'll do some strides, whatever. And like obviously being in London, like Mo was really recognised, he was like in the public eye, he was on TV, like there was posts of him around the city. And like you wanted to have like this, um, it was like this Mars bar milkshake, and I was like, right, fine, whatever. So we're getting like a taxi back to the meet hotel, and he's like, let's go by Tesco, and like you can go in and get me a milkshake. And I'm like to myself, like I don't care like who you think you are, like I'm not going to go into the store for you and get you a milkshake. Like you can go in yourself. Like, I know you're more far, but like you can come in. So he's, so we're like, right, fine, whatever. So he puts his like hood up, whatever, and like we're going through this shop, and like. Mo's like a funny character and like I remember I'm just like pretending to put things in people's baskets and this is like the day before like World Champs 5k like he's won the 10k and he's like obviously nervous for the 5k but like we're just like mucking around in Tesco's like he's got two up and like just as you're away to leave like people are like oh that's Mo Farah and he's trying to take the pictures so we're just gonna like run out to the car jump in the car so then we just robbed the place we didn't steal anything obviously but like you just try to run away from people so you can get in the car so you don't have to get get heckled but like that's the kind of guy that he is, and he he makes the sport fun. And I'm I'm sad that he's not on the track anymore, and that I won't race him again um, on the track. But no, he's a really good guy, and we still speak quite a lot. Like I Snapchat him like quite a lot. He's again, he's still he's a quiet guy and keeps his friends like it's a small friend group that he, that he has. Um, and but he's just such a such a good character, and the the sport definitely misses him, or the track the track does. Yeah, I think that's an important story there, guys, because if you think back to what I'm trying to achieve, I think, in this whole podcast, then is that elite pros, everybody's human. There's Mo Farah having a bit of fun a couple of days before the world champs, and he's he's human, you know, and, and I think what Bucci touched on there is him keeping himself to himself, like, this guy must get pestered so much by so many people, and people probably forget that he is just a human being and the Mofar I met in 2013 before an indoor race he offered to give me a lift onto the track for the indoor grand prix wished me good luck and gave me some advice before trying to qualify for European indoors and look he's just a human being and um so Bucci has been quite lucky to meet quite a lot of people in the sport and when I asked him the question who is I guess not necessarily did he learn, what did he learn from Mo? Butch actually replied to me and said he's learned more from his girlfriend right now, Lindsay Sharp. Um, and I don't want to put him on under pressure here, but tell us a bit about that. Like, um, it's quite cute that, um, that your girlfriend <laughs> teaches you things. But seriously, like, you've met Mo Farah, but actually it's your, your girlfriend that not necessarily that you look up to, but someone that you really admire for their dedication and commitment. Yeah, so like, I've spoken to Lindsay about it, but like, Tell people who Lindsay Sharp is. Oh, so is. Lindsay Sharp, she's my girlfriend. She runs the hundred meters. Like, weirdly, we have exactly the same track record. Although she's won a lot of medals, she was sixth in Olympic Games. So was I. She was eighth in London World Champs. So was I. So it's like, 
every race is kind of like who can do better so it's like a bit of fun um, but anyway yeah we met sort of like in the Olympic Games and like it all hit off like well after that and yeah we're out in America now but like you said like I really admire her as, as, a, as, a, as an athlete um, I come to these training camps like all the time and people are putting in like crazy amount of mileage crazy sessions blah 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 like everyone works super super hard and I've seen more train I've seen like like loads of athletes like top class athletes train and like when I when it comes down to it I look at Lindsay and I'm like she has everything down to a T with how she trains she's like an absolute animal from when she wakes up to when she goes to bed she 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 does everything perfectly and if things are going wrong or anything like that she's the first person to, to pick it up one of my flaws is that like and I think a lot of athletes they don't listen to their body enough and Lindsay's so in in touch with her feelings and her body that she knows like when things are going well when things aren't going well what to do what not to do if she has a niggle it's exactly where it is it's not just like oh my leg's sore she's she's really good at like getting everything out of each day and like knowing when to rest when to go harder like she's just such a smart and talented athlete and like like I said, like you watch these people train super, super hard and it's not always about like how hard you train. It's like also how smart you train. And I think that Lindsay, just from for me, like I learn off her is just to be a little bit of a smarter athlete, just to be like a little bit more intelligent and a little bit more in touch with myself. Yeah, guys, look, listening there. Um, I see a lot of people train really hard too, but think of it as your body being like a sponge. And if it gets too, it can only absorb so much water essentially. And so you can only absorb so much training. And if you're overtraining, you won't absorb it. So miles, miles don't always add up to good performances or more hard sessions don't always add up to good performances because if you don't absorb what you're doing, you won't improve. Um, and so another thing I want to talk to Butchie about is indoors, um, 2018, 747 Milrose Games. Yeah, fun race. And he snapped his metatarsal. Navicular. Snapped his navicular, finished the race. Um, and I pr- I think I got a text within 10 minutes from my agent, Stephen Haas, and said, I think um, Butchie's broke his foot. And I wrote back probably like, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, tell us about that. How much, let's like more like in a bullet point fashion, um, injury diagnosed, how much time off, how much time dedicated to rehab, how long without racing, when did you start training again? And actually recently I watched Butchie race Manchester Road Race in America and it's the first time I've seen Butchie back being Butchie, up at the front, pushing it on, mm. probably a bit of confidence. So tell us a bit about that journey back. Um, yeah, so first I'll say uh, I didn't have any issues with my foot before the race, ran the race with about 500 meters to go, I felt it snapped and I, I, I knew something. 500 meters. It was about 500 I thought it broke about halfway in. Nah, five, five, <laughs> 500 meters to go, I only had to limp around. Yeah. I just limp around and finished it. Um, yeah, so like, I felt it break, came off the track and I was like, yeah, broke my foot. Everyone was like, nope, it's not broken. Got a scan the next week and yeah, it turned out it broken. So, things just change really fast like you have all these like targets for the year and they just they just end that's just that's just it it's over no come off games no world indoors no european champs done no way and it's like i remember like went back to san diego and i was trying to work out who was going to do the surgery on my foot and british athletics wanted me to come back to the uk so i was like yeah fine 
Flew back to the UK, surgery in February, so it's when I got my surgery done. You have two weeks of doing nothing. It's called no sweating, which was like pretty pretty boring. Just sat on my mum's sofa and just watched TV and just ate for a bit. Actually, I didn't eat, but like I just ended up just sitting there for two weeks, just that wanting to do something. And then I was in six weeks down in Bisham, um, Bisham Abbey, which is uh, like Olympic Federation rehab clinic. They have like four athletes in at a time, and it was really fun. I think I did like one of the longest stints in one go there, so you can like live like on site. Yeah. So it's like. That was a good good stint, but I didn't do any sort of... I still hadn't done any sort of running. I couldn't run. I don't think I did any sort of aerobic exercise for the first... Since breaking, since having surgery for, like, I'm going to say seven weeks, eight yeah. weeks. Like, nothing. No cross-training, no bike. It was all just, like, core in the gym and, like, strength training, like, non-weight bear, non-weight bearing, so, like, on, like, a reformer and stuff like that, still on a boot. It was all, like... Didn't jump on the bike, didn't do anything. And what was I, the purpose of the strength training? The purpose of the strength training was so that there was obviously a weakness somewhere in my foot or around my leg. Like, if you break your foot, it's not necessarily your foot that's the issue. It could be your hips are slightly weaker or yeah. your your quads weaker or something like that. So your foot's having to, like, overcompensate for a weakness elsewhere. So if you can make that part of your body stronger, then it won't happen again. Yeah. So, like, we ended up just making my full body stronger. We worked on everything from biceps to calves, anything. My brain, we just did it all. Yeah. And we didn't care about, like, how fit I was. So, when I went back to America, I was I was able to sort of walk. I was able to kind of, like, I guess kind of... S- yeah, well, actually, no, I couldn't, I couldn't run yet. I was what like, month is this now? This is me in April. So, okay. I've done whole of March and half of April. So, I come yeah. through to April get back to America and I had a rehab clinic in in America. Terence kind of went, he'd had, he was in charge of it all. And like, I remember just being like, dying to get my scans because I hadn't had any pain in my foot. I was like, can I not just get a scan just to check that it's healed? Like it was a week 10. I was like able to walk around. I was dancing in the house, just being stupid with Lindsay or whatever. Like I was totally fine. I've healed like super, super fast with like different ways that we helped treat the foot. Um, yeah. And then I remember, like, week 10, I was having to do, like, my first sort of drills. And it was funny, like, this is another funny, well, not kind of funny story, but, yeah. like, went to this race that a few of the guys raced, which was called Oxy in California. Yeah. And that was where I did my first run. Yeah. And I was just going to jog around the infield. I'd done, like, loads and loads of drills. Like, Terrence killed me with drills to make sure that I didn't strike with my toes, that I striked with my midfoot. Yeah. So that I didn't have any issues with it again. And uh, I remember jogging around the infield and, like, Terence was like wanting to run with like jog with me. Yeah. And I'm jogging around and there's like huge names like Matt Sentwitz was there, San Mead I think was there. There was like a lot of names, a lot of girls, yeah, yeah. A lot of, everyone was watching. And here's we fat Butchie and I'm jogging around the infield and Terence is looking at me like, What is he doing? And I was like, What what am I doing? He's like, That's not how you run. I was like, What? So I'm like having to like run along this Terence and he's trying to try to show me how to jog again because I, honestly I couldn't remember how to yeah. run. So it was like, I didn't even know what I was doing. So I just ended up copying like a baby would. Yeah. So I'm like running around. I literally did about two laps or three laps. And I just remember like looking in and like, like all that. I was the only person running around the track because it was before the meet started. And everyone was like thinking like, oh, Butchie's here, maybe he's fit. And then they look again like, he yeah. ain't fit. He can't even run probably, this guy. <laughs> and, then like, and then just after that, the game was gradual, like being able to like, do a bit more miles sort of thing so that was maybe like week 14 15 where i was like actually getting to start doing, doing runs and we, we 
it wasn't necessarily like when we started back running, it wasn't like we came back doing like one mile, two mile, three mile, four mile, five mile. It was more like we were doing like sessions. So it was like doing like, we'd start off straight away with like sprints. So we do like, rather than doing runs, we would just do sprint efforts to make sure that my, because um, if you run slow, it's harder to get like good um, biomechanics. Your yeah. biomechanics come from sprinting. So we yeah. started with a sprinter's technique and then worked back from there rather than working up. Nice. Um, so I ended up doing like no mileage, but doing a lot of fast stuff. Yeah. And then I was able to do longer stuff. So I, I said to Lindsay, actually, my first week of full non-injury running was actually from when I broke my foot in February was in September. Yeah. That was my first 90-mile 90, 90 week wow. of like no issues whatsoever. Every other week I'd done like I'd been out on the bike or I'd been like in the pool or something like that. Like I never touched an alter G during my whole rehab. I never touched a cross trainer in my whole rehab. I always went outside on the bike or went in, into the pool. Most of it was out on the bike. Yeah, guys, one thing Butchie said to me the other day was, um, and I'm not, I'm not a big believer in cross training myself. I am if you're healthy and you're just trying not to get hurt. I think that's really important. If you know you can only handle 50 mile a week, and you want to add in some cross training for extra fitness, by all means. Butchie's problem would have been if his body... <coughs> Sorry, guys. Butchie's problem would have been if his body came back healthy, if his aerobic side of things was far too advanced, his body might have just broke again, and he, he couldn't afford any more time off. Um, and so that was, that was really interesting to miss... To go from probably thinking, I want to win a medal at Commonwealth Games, I can absolutely probably win the European champs or at least be challenging for a medal. And also World Indoors was thrown in there. That's, to miss all that, that's huge. And guys, I know you you might not necessarily be able to relate to that um, yourselves, but look, that that's just a demonstration of how quickly life can just go fucked, essentially. And look whatever it is you might think is coming up like that just enjoy life a bit too and and relax and don't beat yourself up like i've said a thousand times because like a click of a fingers it can just go fucked instantly um and so i i just want butchie now if he has anything to say just to i don't know any advice for people or or anything that might help him i know you said the injury was a blessing in disguise it's a tough way to go about blessing in disguise, <laughs> but um, look. Also, like, what what are the so any tips? And then finish with your aims for the next couple of months. Look, European indoors is coming up, guys, in Glasgow. That's a home games for Butchie, um, and then world champs later in the year. Yeah. So, firstly, the advice. I think like the I, I'm not. A, I I I've never had any injuries. I've only ever really broken my navicular, and that was the, the most I've ever had, and hopefully ever will. But the one thing that I will say about like if you do get injured sort of thing is like being like really positive had such an effect on my healing time. Like I was super happy every day, even though I couldn't walk. I was somehow like in a good place in my head with the recovery. I was able, I was giving myself little challenges week by week. I remember like messaging Lindsay when she was in Australia for the Commonwealth Games and she was having a hard time. I was obviously having a hard time. And I remember just being like, telling her like I was able to walk for five steps today and like that was a, that was a huge deal that was massive and like that deserved like a, like that deserved like a, a really good meal that deserved like a, like a, a trip back home at, 
I've, I rewarded myself for minuscule, like, minuscule things. Yeah. Setting yourself little targets can create a huge end goal. Um, so, like, my main thing that if anyone takes back of this is just to remain positive through, like, struggle. Like, positivity for me is key. Um, and then going on to, like, my aims for the next year, like you said, like, Glasgow Indoors is, is a big one. People have asked me why I'm racing indoors after breaking my foot. I mean, I'm the kind of person who, if something goes wrong, the next thing I want to do is try and conquer that. So, like, I broke my foot racing indoors, so I want to prove to myself that I can still do it. Yeah. I don't want to pussy out and go and do something else instead and shy away from 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 a challenge. Um, and also being in Glasgow, like I don't race at home very often, and that's huge for me. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to win it. Um, whether that's the fifteen or three k, probably the three k. Um, I'll go there, smash it, have a little bit of a break. This year's a bit weird with Doha being in October. Yeah. So it's like making sure that Terence gets the right plan in place, and then going for some fast times at the 5k, need to run faster than 13.08, try and get close to that 13 minute barrier. And then if we can, like I said, like I'm, I'm a really confident person. And like I, I said to Scully the other day that if a month out from World Champs comes and I'll tell people that I'm going to win a medal, it's because I'm in shape to win a medal. So if I'm in shape to win a medal, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know if I'll be in shape yet, but yeah. that's what the aim is. The aim is to always win races. I'm always brought up to win. Um, so win European champs, run as close to 13 minutes or sub-13 minutes, and then try and medal. Um, yeah. And then I want to run well at cross-country Europeans next year, or yeah. this year. And in Dublin 2020. And in Dublin 2020. For those Irish fans. Yeah. Anyway, I, have, I, I just want to pick up on something else there. Guys, look, when Butchie was talking about rewarding himself when he would... Um, when he could walk five steps again this is something that you guys can do whether it's I trained five days this week and that was the goal or I did an eight mile run on Sunday and that was my longest run in a while it's okay to reward yourself pros aren't like like monks you know and that's sometimes how it's portrayed and that's not how it is at all don't get me wrong the reward might not be a half bottle of Jemison's it can just be some ice cream after dinner but it's just that positive thinking and if it's what motivates you to get out the door that's fine and one last thing I really I think I think Butchie touched on here and we talked about on a run the other day was trusting your coach and I actually struggle with this and and probably, I don't know if it's being from Ireland or Northern Ireland, we're a bit very, very untrusting and maybe people by nature. I really find it tough to trust a coach and, and my poor coach at the minute probably probably like shits himself every time I go home to Belfast because I don't do what I'm told or listen. Um, and that's a trust thing. But Butchie, tell us the importance of trusting a coach. So like when I changed coach, it was a huge, it was, it was, difficult for me to like change the training because like I had in my head like every week was really similar whereas with Terence it's like every day it can be different and it took me a long time to kind of like adapt to that but like you get to the point where you just see what they've done in the past and you're like you know what like if anyone's going to make me the best in the world it's going to be this guy and you have to you have to trust that because if you don't trust what you're doing it is 99% not going to work the amount of athletes that I know that like get given training off their coach and then they just go into something else because they saw something else on YouTube or they saw something else here or there. It creates a fake relationship, which is just catastrophic to any performance. I think you have to just do what your coach tells you. Like I get kids all the time saying, how do I get faster? I'm like, just listen to your coach. 
they're a coach for a reason. It's not like they're just there to have fun. They know what they're doing. Every coach has positives. They all understand the sport. They all understand how to make you better. And you have to listen. You have to learn. And again, like, it's a two-way relationship. If you don't like what's happening, you have to be able to speak to that person and tell them, hey, I don't like this. Let's do this instead. And then you can mix and match. So it's not always like my way or the highway. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Butchie, because earlier on, my my coach, Stephen Haas, five PBs last year, 5K, 10K, 10 mile, half marathon, marathon. At the end of summer, we had a bit of a disagreement when I was doing some lab stuff in the Sports Institute and Haas just doesn't give a shit about it. He, oh, he does, but he just, I, I just get, I don't know, someone hands me a new idea and all of a sudden I've never done it before in my life and then I'm doing it five days a week. Yeah. So Haas tries to control that. We have this kind of disagreement and I'm ready to bin him. Like he's gone, he's out of my life, he's yeah. dead to me. And and then I turn up the Flagstaff and I have to apologize and come crying back to him because that was a lesson to me that just because you have a disagreement doesn't mean you have to just bin that idea or bin that person, just open communication. Maybe as art maybe in Ireland we just don't talk or we don't communicate or be honest. But um another thing there, if you don't have a coach, um Talk to your running buddies and, and if they have coaches that they think are pretty good, maybe check that out or local clubs, etc., etc. It's pretty easy to find one. Or if you don't want a coach, look, if you set a plan in place, try to stick with it. It was probably a pretty logical plan when you put it in place. So maybe just stick with that. But um, let me be the first to wish Butchie um, congratulations on coming back from the injury and all the best with the following season. You guys, I'm going to put all Butchie's Twitter, Instagram. I mean, I'm sure you guys can just search for it, but I'll put it all in the description of this. And yeah, give him a shout out. Thank you.